Welcome to Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina, a movie lover. And I'm Sonia, a movie not lover. My mission is to make Sonia watch all the movies she's never seen. And my mission is to watch more movies and not always have to say, Nope, Never Saw It. So we started this podcast. We hope you enjoy it. So Gina? Yes, Sonia? I'm ready. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina, and with me always is the beautiful Madam Vice President, (laughs) Sonia, 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 Sonia. Oh my God. The audience can't see me, but I am wearing a red sweatshirt and my face is the exact same color. (laughs) Oh my God. Thank you, Gina. That was really sweet and clever and so, (laughs) so funny. (laughs) Sonia has some big news, everybody. Did I blow up your friend share? No, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got a little promotion at work. A little promotion. Sonia is vice president of the world, everybody. Yes, Yes, it's true. I will be moving to Washington, D.C. to Mm -hmm. assume my new job, um, working side by side with Vice President Harris. Yes. We're going to be co-vice presidents. Co-vice presidents. Yeah. It's a new thing. (laughs) (laughs) But not my friend share. No. I actually think you'll enjoy my friend share more. I'm sweating. I'm so embarrassed in a good way. You shouldn't be sweating. Well, I guess, I mean, hey, we're going to be talking about the beach. Yeah. Very different from Donnie Darko, but we mentioned it. So let's get into our friendship. Sonia, why don't you go first? I feel like the momentum is in your direction today. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Well, I went to the Rangers game last night because I cannot spend more than a week away from Madison Square Garden. Apparently. <laughs> and during the games, they always do like New York City celebrities, like, you know, when there are breaks in the game, when like the players are doing whatever they're doing on the side. And um, they showed Alexander Sarsgaard, who, in case you're, anyone's not familiar with who he is, he played Eric on True Blood. Um, he was also in Big Little Lies. He was the abusive husband. So he, they showed him on the screen and then it was like a cute surprise because he leaned over and kissed the cheek of the person who was he was sitting next to, who was Henrik Lundqvist, who was the longtime Rangers goalie, is like super beloved, such a legend. So that was really cute and funny and everyone was laughing. And then I always, I've talked about this before on the podcast, when we go to Rangers games, I always like scan the lower levels and the crowd to see if I can see Trey Anastasio. So I was doing that as I do every time I'm there. And I did not see Trey, but I saw this one guy and I leaned over to Sean and I was like, doesn't that look like Ryan Reynolds? (gasps) And Sean was like, uh maybe and I was like I I was like I swear that's like Ryan Reynolds, some other guy, and maybe that's Jason Sudeikis. And then I realized as I was looking at them, I was like, it's not Jason Sudeikis. That's Alexander Sarsgaard. The guy in the middle is Henrik Lundqvist. And I was like, I bet you that's Ryan Reynolds. And then like not two seconds later, all of like, we could see like all of the cameras like going back in front of that group of people. And then Ryan Reynolds was up on the jumbotron. I was like, I called it. 
I called oh it. Oh my God. You breathed the same air as Ryan Reynolds. Not really. He was like way, way lower than us. But oh. I, I think I have a, um, a second career as a celebrity crowd spotter. Um, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Also, have we, have we done a Rhino, Ryan Reynolds movie? I don't think we have yet. No, but we've done Ryan Gosling. Yeah. We... I always get them mixed up. Right. And you're sure it was Ryan Reynolds and not Ryan Gosling that you saw? Yes. They even said his name on the screen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if they said Ryan Gosling on the screen? It would have been like, really funny. Uh... And then I confirmed it on um, Instagram today. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, that's really exciting. I thought you would enjoy that, particularly because this is a movie podcast. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I, I do not have any celebrity sightings, although I did. Well, my friend shares that my birthday was last week. Yes, it and was. Happy birthday. Thank you. And I am now 45 years young. But on my birthday, we went to see Jim Gaffigan. So, I mean, does that count, even though I paid to see him? I mean, technically, I paid to see Ryan Reynolds, so it does count. I guess if I guess if you look at it that way, you could think of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But that was fun. That, that is was, fun. Yeah. That's really my French hair. It's not nearly as exciting. Just that I had a birthday. I'm still here. I'm 45. I feel like I'm kind of kicking ass. And my and my goal in my 45th year is to uh, learn how to do a handstand. No, a headstand. You can definitely do it. I know I can. I'm just afraid to go upside down. That's fair. I got to I got to get over that fear. I read a very brief article um, with Gwyneth Paltrow, who just turned 50, and she said that she feels better now at 50 than she did at 40. Can I say I love my 40s so much? Yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite decade. Okay. Yeah. That bodes well for me. Yeah. No, I feel I feel like I'm I feel like I'm in. First of all, I think I'm like healthier in my 40s than I was in my 30s. I'm just in better shape. I eat better. Like I'm more conscious of how important sleep is and self-care. And I don't give a fuck <laughs> about things that I used <laughs> to really care about that were not important. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like when you get into your 40s, you just you really start to like figure out what your real priorities are and you can sort of like peel away the layers of all the stuff that you don't really need anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I, I love my forties and I feel like the fifties are going to be just as great, if not better, maybe better. My, my goal, my, I want to get a hand, a headstand this year. Um, but my real goal is just to kick ass a little bit more every year. I think you are going to be accomplishing that without any question. I hope so. Well, let's drink to that. All right. Cheers. 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 We are going to take a sip. Mm. Oh. Yum. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're probably curious to know what we're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to tell you. <laughs> it's a secret. Um, we are drinking a drink called Bliss on the Beach, which is more commonly known as Sex on the Beach. But I liked that I found it under the title of Bliss on the Beach because I feel like that's, although there is sex on the beach in the movie, The Beach, I felt like Bliss on the Beach was more on on theme. Mm -hmm. So I pulled a Gina and... um, Had had some issues when making this. So this drink is composed of 
um, many delicious ingredients that I can't now see because my phone is doing something weird. Oh no, hold on. Okay. Now you're okay. the one with the technical difficulties. I know, seriously, we've like swapped places. We really okay. have. Okay, hold on. All right. It is vodka, peach schnapps, creme de cassis liqueur, orange juice, and cranberry juice. So I sent Sean to bring home creme de cassis on his way home from work. And he called me at the liquor store and said, they don't have creme de cassis, but they have this other thing that I can't remember what it's called. He could remember because he was reading the label. I cannot remember in my retelling of the story. And I quickly Googled it. And apparently you can use Chambord as uh, a substitute. So I said, don't worry about it. Come on home. I'll just use the Chambord. <laughs> so he comes home. And right as I hear him coming into the house, I realize that I don't have very much vodka left. <laughs> and I don't have any orange juice. <laughs> so luckily, I had enough vodka that it's fine. It's still a drink that has alcohol in it. And I I topped up the peach schnapps and the Chambord a little bit just so that the actual drink would be a sizable drink. And my darling Sean realized that we have a blood orange flavored seltzer that's like kind of one of those like juicy seltzers. Okay. So I use that instead and I can definitely taste the orange. So I think I'm in good shape. This this tastes really good. Wow. Yeah. Sonia, we definitely swapped places because I have I had everything. I had all the ingredients this time. Oh wow. I actually, can I just tell you as a side note how on top of things I have been this week? Because this week is insanely busy. I have two track meets. My son's birthday is on Friday. Um, I have so much going on this week. So every day has basically been me planning for the next day or prepping for the next day. So yesterday during my free period, I went to, I looked up online on Sunday where I could find creme de cassis mm. because they didn't, and they didn't have it at the bottle king, but they had it at the total wine. So I ordered it online for a pickup. Smart. So then Monday during my free period, I drove to the liquor store. I got the, the liquor, liquor, and then dropped something off at UPS. This has just been, and even last night, knowing my usual technical difficulties, those of you who listened to our Donnie Darko episode, you heard me go on a rant about my computer, which today is working perfectly fine. Hmm. Um, I don't, I think it, I think it got really sad and is scared that I'm going to get rid of it. Maybe your computer was like new year, new me. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> So I, so last night I like got all of my ingredients for the drink out and I set it up because I didn't know how much time I would have when I got home from practice to, to mix my drink. Um, I, I have been, I've been so, I, I don't know what's happening to me. I'm on fire this week, which means I'm going to like completely crash this weekend and probably get sick. Mm, I yeah. hope that doesn't happen. I need to borrow Same. some of your energy. Cause I feel like I have had like a frenetic start to the year and I just need everything to chill. Yeah. Yeah. This is always a crazy time of year. The very beginning it's, I don't know why, but it, I think it's like, I wonder if it's because we have all like a week off at the end of December. And then all of a sudden we have to make up for all that time we took off. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, well, I'm going to take another sip of this drink because it is delightful. It is really good. And I put three cherries in my mm -hmm. drink. Just saying. I can see that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to be talking about the beach today. Before we do, Sonia, I I wanted to say something about Donnie Darko. Okay. Because after we finished our conversation in our last episode, something came to mind. I don't know if you remember we were talking. I mentioned something about how there was this recurring image of eyes. There was like an eye motif. And I wasn't sure what that was all about. And I had a thought, and it's probably completely wrong, but I'm just going to go with this interpretation. So remember when we were talking about the um, that like liquid projectile that would come out of the chest that was supposed to show that Donnie could see like where people were intended to go and the paths mm-hmm. that they end up following that are sort of predetermined for them. Yep. I was thinking that maybe all of these eyes are another version of that because, um, because he ultimately, when he kills Frank, he shoots him in the eye. And there's that one scene where he sees Frank in the bathroom and, oh no, I'm sorry. It's when they're in the movie theater and Frank removes the bunny mask and one of his eyes is shot out. But then there's another scene when they're in the bathroom and Donnie tries to stab the bunny, but he's stabbing at that, um, that like liquid um, wall, but it stabs him right in the eye that he ends up shooting him in. Mm, So that's very interesting. So this, this is my thought. Again, take it or leave it. I'm just going to throw it out there. And if you haven't listened to our Donnie Darko episode, I would go back and give it a listen and then yeah. just remember all these things that I said. Yeah. What are you waiting for? Yeah. Go for it. Pause this. Go listen to Donnie Darko and then come back. Right. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you ready to talk about the beach? I am. Yay. Let's do it. Here we go. The Beach was released in 2000, directed by Danny Boyle. Screenplay was written by John Hodge, um, based on the novel by Alex Garland, starring Leonardo DiCaprio as Richard, Tilda Swinton as Sal, Virginie Ledoyen as Francoise, Guillaume Canet as Etienne, and Robert Carlyle as Daffy. Now, Sonia, in... The tradition of nope never saw it i have made a list of films that are connected to all of these names that i've just read i'm going to share these film titles with you and if you've seen it you can say of course gina i've seen it what is wrong with you and if you haven't seen it what do you say nope never saw it okay now i kind of did um an interesting thing because I, I I'm a little bit of a Danny Boyle fan. And so some of the film titles that I'm going to share with you are, even though they're different people, they're all Danny Boyle films. not all of them, but some of them. Okay. Okay. Here we go. So Danny Boyle, who directed the beach also directed 28 days later. Yes. I've seen that. Okay. Uh, John Hodge, who wrote the screenplay for the beach also wrote the screenplay for train spotting. Nope. Never saw it. Ooh, okay. Um, Alex Garland, who wrote the novel on which the film was based, also wrote, I believe, the screenplay for this is another Train Spotting is a Danny Boyle film. And this next film is also a Danny Boyle film, Sunshine. Nope, never saw it. Oh my gosh, Sunshine is we need to watch that. Okay. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not, I'm not gonna say any more about it. Okay, this is our second Leonardo DiCaprio film, and uh, these are two films that I did not mention when we talked about Leonardo DiCaprio in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, another great episode. Check it out if you haven't listened to it. He was also in The Departed. Yes, I've seen that. Okay. That film is excellent. It is excellent. Mm -hmm. I love it. 
Um, and Shutter Island. I've seen that too. Okay. Tilda Swinton, who plays Sal, was also in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Nope, never saw it. Okay, that's a great film. I, a lot of people argue that that is their favorite Wes Anderson film, and they like it more than the Royal Tenenbaums. Wow. I know, right? I love the Royal Tenenbaums. I do, too. Grand Budapest Hotel is also pretty fantastic. I have to give it a rewatch to really to really decide which one I like better. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna skip Virginie Ledoyen because everything she was in is French, and mm-hmm. I have not seen any of it. I'm going to assume you have not either. It's a fair assumption. Yes. Um, Guillaume Canet, who plays Etienne, however, um, also most of his credits are French film and television, but he was in this American film, The Program. Nope, never saw it. Okay, I actually haven't seen it either. Um, and then Robert Carlyle, who we talked about when we discussed. Yes, the- yes, yes, for the full <laughs> Monty, was also in, this is another Danny Boyle film. I think this is another Danny Boyle film, 28 Weeks Later. I think I have seen that. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, so not bad, not bad. Okay. Okay. Um, Moving on. In our efforts to prove that the television show Friends is the center of the universe, I have, Um, can I say, okay, one of the things I loved about our last episode was how you referred to certain friends connections as direct hits. Uh-huh. And it made me think of the game Battleship. Okay. And then of course, like the next day I was thinking about it and it was making me giggle. And then I thought, wouldn't it have been so funny missed opportunity though. If like, if we get a certain number of direct hits, then we can say you sunk my friendship. <gasps> But is that, does that mean we can't be friends anymore? No, but it's just funny. <laughs> okay. Okay. But I don't know how many direct hits me. And what do, when, what constitutes a direct hit? Like someone that they were in an episode of Friends or that they were in something with one of the main cast members of Friends? I would say that they're in an episode of Friends. Okay. In that case, I have zero direct hits. But I have Same. some, I have four connections. I have two connections. Okay. I'll start with I'll start with one. Yeah. And we'll go back and forth. Okay. My first one. Three of mine are Leonardo DiCaprio connections, by oh. the way. Oh dear. I know. This guy gets around. So this is my first one. Leonardo DiCaprio was in The Man with the Iron Mask, which by the way, have you seen The Man in the Iron Mask? I have. Okay. This film also co-stars Hugh Laurie, who was in the episode of Friends when Rachel is on the airplane flying to London to stop Ross's wedding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's such a, that's such a good cameo. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? By the way, you were on a break. <laughs> Seems to me. I, I don't know about, but I agree with this friend, Phoebes. <laughs> indirect hit is that peter youngblood hills who played zeff was in band of brothers that david schwimmer is also in yes i had that one as well okay awesome all right my next leonardo dicaprio connection is that he starred in romeo and juliet which also co-stars paul rudd who played michael phoebe's boyfriend fiance husband right yeah i did not think of that oh I was lazy. 
See, you have your shit together. I do not. <laughs> well, I I mean, but you try to come up with these in your head. I I just like go through. I like scroll through everyone's IMDb. I did that. I did that this time. Yeah. Okay. All okay. right. What's your next one? Um, my next one is a an indirect hit, but but a it hits twice indirectly. Um, Tilda Swinton was oh. in both The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, mm-hmm. which I have seen, and Burn After Reading, which I have not seen. Mm-hmm. Both films also have Brad Pitt in them, and Brad Pitt was A, married to Jennifer Aniston, and B, appeared in The One with the Rumor. Oh my gosh, Sonia, I have the same connection except Leonardo DiCaprio has been in a few films with Brad Pitt, including Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> He's actually been in a few movies with Brad Pitt. I can't remember what the other ones were, but um, off the top of my head, but yeah. So, oh my gosh. It's a lot of hunk in one movie. It is a lot of hunk in one movie. Ah, mm. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Nope, never saw it, but okay. I wanted to see it, but then I heard it got like not great reviews, so then I didn't. You know, I'm never, even if I like really want to see something, I'm never like aggressively going for it. So, yeah, you know what? I think it's, uh, I, I wonder if people didn't like it as much because it's much more of a slow burn than his other films than Quentin Tarantino's other films, but I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Hey, so we got lots of friends connections. I I think we're, I, I think we're good. All right, Sonia. In our last episode, when I told you we were going to be watching The Beach, I asked you what you thought the movie was about. Mm -hmm. So, Sonia, are you ready to hear your original plot summary read back to you word for word? I am. Okay, here we go. This is Sonia's original plot summary for The Beach. Okay, so Leonardo DiCaprio goes to an island where there's a beach, and he's with some friends and maybe a lady friend, and something bad is going on on the island. And I don't know if it's bad, like it's dangerous, but I don't know if it's like physically dangerous or psychologically dangerous or possibly both. And that is totally made up. It's not bad, though. It's not bad. It's pretty close. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To what actually happens. Right. It must, I don't know. It must just be the trailer stuck in my head or something. I don't Maybe. know. It's weird. Um, all right. Well, I have a summary that um I have written after actually watching the film. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Okay. Here we go. When you're young, sometimes the desire to find true happiness can be all-consuming. Take, for example, Richard, a young American traveler who hears rumors from a strange traveler about an island paradise that's only about a day's journey away. Recruiting two acquaintances to join him, Richard sets out to find the island and settle in with its inhabitants. For a while, life is idyllic, but unfortunately, even paradise has a dark side, and Richard may not be able to escape this paradise-turned-hell with his life. Oh, very nice. Thank you. I had an an extra word there, so I tripped up on it. Oh, no. (laughs) Whoops. I thought it was very good. Thank you. All right. Well, we always talk about our first impressions. I will start. I distinctly remember seeing this film in the theaters. I saw it with my roommates in college because it came out in February of 2000. That was my my fifth year 
of, of college. Um, I was student teaching at the time. I remember that. Um, and I remember liking, really liking most of the film. And then there were some parts of the film that I was not quite sure what was going on. But overall, I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I've revisited it since then here and there. What is interesting for me is that when after I graduated from college, I moved to France. And when I was living in France, this movie was really big. And and the two um, supporting characters, Virginie Le Doyen and Guillaume Canet, they were like all over the the not the tabloids, but like the what do you, would you call it? Like the celebrity, mm-hmm. you know, magazines, which I, I bought. I would read a lot of those like, you know, to try and immerse myself in the, <laughs> in yeah. the language. Yeah. And they were just everywhere. And all, and all everything I read about them was about being on the beach and working with Leonardo DiCaprio. And um, so it was watching the film this time brought back some of those memories, but also it, it kind of transported me back to all the traveling that I did when I was younger, um, you know, and I know we'll talk about this. And and I think that was something that I, I did appreciate about the film is how well it does capture that, that, you know, desire for adventure and um, experiencing something new, uh, even though I think it takes it to an extreme, obviously, you know, there, there, I, I definitely would not swim two kilometers to, <laughs> Yeah. to a private island just to see if there's a beach there. <laughs> but um yeah, so Sonia, what did you think of the film? So I um I would like to also share Sean's first impression of the film because <laughs> so when I told <laughs> when I told him <laughs> that this was going to be the film, he said, "Oh god." And I was like, oh, okay. I don't really remember the movie, but that's interesting. <laughs> and um, we watched the trailer and it did, I did feel it like tickling the back of my brain. Like it definitely reminded me. I was like, these, some of these images are familiar. Um, probably also because this came out like Leonardo DiCaprio was 26 or something. And this was like when he was in the height of his cuteness and popularity i mean i think he's still very popular and cute now yeah you know whatever it's different well it came Uh, it was like right on the heels of titanic essentially it was the first film that came out after that so yeah yeah yeah, yep exactly um and then when that moby song starts playing in the trailer i was like oh yes yes like that's like a song that whenever i hear it it like kind of brings me back to that time in Mm -hmm. the late 90s 2000 so I was like oh, okay yes I definitely remember when this was out I remember that I probably wanted to see it because of Leonardo DiCaprio but again never did so right. <laughs> so we sit down to watch the movie and <laughs> and Sean tells me I was like so you saw this right and he said yes I saw it in the theater <laughs> and I and I fell asleep in the theater <laughs> and then um and then he told me, like, you know, he, so I'm watching the movie and then he was like doing some work. And then like towards the end of the film, he's like, oh, I remember this is where I woke up and I had no idea what was happening. And I was like, well, I've been watching the whole time and, and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> was this when he start when he's like when Sal makes him go to like the top yeah. of the hill? Okay. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. That's where I feel like the film kind of goes off the rails a little bit. I agree. I agree. And like, especially the like, his like imagining he's in a video game. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) what is happening? (laughs) You know what? It's funny. Let's talk about this because I remember when I remember watching that scene in the theaters and really trying to wrap my brain around what was going on and what the message was. I mean, I, I kind of got the idea that he's because he's in isolation and he's been given this task and now he's separated from this community that he, you know, has been welcomed into and has really kind of found himself and found like a a prominent place. And now he's on his own and it's, and it's a punishment Mm -hmm. because Sal found out that he gave a copy of the map to these people. Um, And I, and I feel like that isolation, that sense of guilt and shame, um, that separation from this group, you know, led him to lose it, you know, like he's suffering a little, uh, temporary insanity, but I, um, I've, I've always wondered, I remember thinking, well, why did they choose to have him exercise, you know, these delusions or whatever, whatever's going on with them or hallucinations in this way, like the, the whole like graphic video game thing, um, and I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And, but I remembered when I went into watching it for our discussion, thinking I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I think is that one thing that, that has really stood out to me about this story, especially finding this paradise is that, um, the whole purpose, the whole reason why this beach and this community is a paradise is because they've been able to cut themselves off from civilization and and start anew. However, they still are very reliant on comfort, the comforts of that past life. Like when Richard has to go to Kopayang with Sal and everybody, you know, we see that that montage of all of the people in the community giving him a list of things that they want him to pick up for them when he mm-hmm. goes back. It was interesting for me to, cause I recognize, well, wait, like they still need all of these other things. So how disconnected are they really? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then there was another, there's another scene where we see Richard playing with his game boy um, you know, so they're not really that completely cut off. There are these remnants of that prior life. Um, so I I don't know if like those kinds of things were creeping into his um psychosis. Is that the right word? You know, like especially for him because he's playing on the Game Boy. So we get the sense. And doesn't someone, oh, and doesn't um the one guy, the one who loves cricket, doesn't he like look at his hands and say, Oh, you have really strong thumbs or or something like that? And mm-hmm. but he's and he's saying, you know, because you play a lot of video games. Yeah. Yeah. So so maybe that's why his um that mental state, that's how that's how it manifests for him. I I agree. I think that that whole scene is him like kind of falling back into the old world, but um obviously a 
in this island but i also assume that he had some help with this with that psychosis because he's just like eating random stuff in the forest so like they show that part where he eats that bug like i think he ate something that made him start tripping yeah i was wondering that too i was like oh is this like a i think so like a drug worm i thought it was just a caterpillar it might not have been that that specifically but just like if he's eating that caterpillar what else is he eating yeah yeah oh a mushroom like (laughs) yeah i feel like it would have made if he had eaten a mushroom i think that i would have been able to buy into it a little bit more but Mm -hmm. so yeah and that's the other thing i was like well are you is the suggestion that like you said is it because of what he's ingesting and consuming while he's all the way up there or is it because he's just cut off from everybody and that and the movie really takes a turn like in terms of the kind of movie that it is i and I even wrote in my notes, like, what is this movie trying to be? Is it a, an adventure film? Is it a thriller? Is it is it a romance? Like, I feel like it's trying to be a lot of different things mm-hmm. at different points in the film. Um, and and that's something that that I struggled with. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll say when we watched the trailer and, you know, a trailer's two minutes, it ended. And I was like, that was a lot to take <laughs> a lot of things just happened I agree I think it was trying to be too much and too short amount of a time and didn't necessarily do it very well yeah I I I hadn't realized until I started doing some research for this episode that it was based on a novel that I didn't know and I and I kind of want to read the novel now because I feel like in most cases, there's a lot in the book that couldn't be developed in the film. Yeah, Um, right. Yeah, like especially, particularly Richard's uh, relationship with Francoise, because I, I just didn't see how she would fall for him. Mm -hmm. You know, aside from the fact that I think one of the themes of this film is the you know the the desire to try new things and 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 be adventurous and and maybe from her perspective Richard is a new thing to try yeah even though that doesn't seem like a major part of her of her personality yeah and we don't know her backstory and her relationship with ATN like to your point if if Richard is something new to try or he's an adventure and you know if we had known that she and atn had been together for like you know so so long and she's never been with anybody else like maybe just knowing that would have helped understand why she so quickly changed her mind about her relationship yeah because it seems that up until the moment where Really, I think I, the first time I notice a change in her is there's a there's a moment where everyone is going to bed and Richard and Francoise, they catch each other's eye and you can see the way she's looking at him that maybe she's kind of longing to be with him. And then mm-hmm. Etienne like brings, you know, kind of wraps his arms around her so that they can snuggle. Um, and then later on when she asks him to go on a walk with her in the beach, all of a sudden it's like, okay, so but up until then there isn't anything the thing is that i don't see any major flaws in etn you know what i mean like i don't there wasn't you i mean normally 
I think the, the common trope is that the guy that the girl is with currently yeah. is either a jerk or he has some character flaw that, you know, clues the audience into the fact that she doesn't really want to be with him or they're not meant to be together. But Etienne seems pretty virtuous to me. And even when he's like says to Richard, like, I know what's going on and I'd rather she be happy than stay with me. Like, you're like, yeah. oh man. Yeah. He's so nice. He's such a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, great example of nice guys finished last, but Truly. um, I, I think that was something that I feel like I needed a little bit more of. I, I, I want to, I want to know like in the novel, are there more private interactions between Richard and Francoise that enable her to see him for more than what we see of him in as he's presented in the film, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, if you do read the book, um, I will not be reading it. So you'll have to, (laughs) you'll need to report back. Okay. (laughs) Um, What were some other things that, that stood out to you that uh, whether it was something you liked or disliked, yeah. Um, so you brought up how the film appeals to one's sense of adventure. And I agree, like, it is very over the top. I think most most people would probably not take all of the risks that Richard and Etienne and Francoise take to find this island like they almost die several times on the way there. And then to make things even worse, Etienne and uh, Francoise play that trick on him that there's a shark in the water, which is like really messed up. Yeah. Um. But I, I don't really have a sense of adventure, particularly when it comes to traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't like to travel that much um (laughs) and I wouldn't say at all but like I you know I'm not like a person who has like a list of 10 countries that I want to go to or um even like when I do go to places like I'm not a big sightseer um so I was really having a hard time with like a lot of just the concept of the film Mm -hmm. and just how it begins even just how it begins and he like (laughs) shows up in Thailand and he's like there by himself which I you know I was like okay you're doing this and you don't really have a true agenda and then all of a sudden he's like in his in the hostel and this guy like busts through his window and offers him weed and he's just smoking this person's weed like it was just so far beyond what how my brain works Um, (laughs) yeah that it was really really quite difficult for me to relate to the movie and not just be like frustrated yeah yeah (laughs) No, I get that. I I mean, for me, it was the opposite, especially when it first came out and I first saw it because the previous summer I'd gone backpacking through Europe with my friend Katie and we, you know, we, we traveled around Europe for about three weeks and stayed at hostels and it's awesome. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing. It's one of the best experiences of my entire life. 
Um, and I was able to travel with with a dear friend and and we were great travel companions and we just had an amazing time. And, and it was so cool to be able to experience these different cultures. But but again, there were what I what I did appreciate was um, one of the things that he says, there's a line that he says towards the beginning. Uh, he says, I just feel like everyone tries to do something different, but you always end up doing the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that line because um, I, I agree. And he says that when he, you know, there, there's, they cut to um, travelers, probably Americans, you know, watching an American film. I think yeah. it's apocal- apocalypse now, which is appropriate because it, it kind of takes on that apocalypse now feel uh, when Richard is, you know, sent to the top of the hill, but, mm-hmm. um, but I, but I felt the same way. I remember, uh, there was one, uh, one instance when Katie and I, we were taking a train from, I think it was from Madrid to Nice. And as soon as we crossed the border into France, there was a train strike, which is very common in France, or at least it was at the time. So we had to get off the train and then we had to wait for a train um, and as we're waiting for the train, we were just surrounded. When I when I say surrounded, Sonia, I mean it seemed like there were hundreds of other Americans our age with giant backpacks that were doing the same exact thing that we were doing. And it made us feel a little, I was like, well, this doesn't feel special anymore. Mm. You know, so so Richard wanting to find something really unique made sense to me. Yeah. You know, that's fair. That's yeah. totally fair. But I wouldn't, I would not have gone to the extreme that he did. I mean, even just drinking the snake's blood. Yeah. You know, for me, I would have been like, no, thanks. And I would have just kept walking. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I, I would, like I said, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't swim a mile across the sea to an island, even just like when they, when they start <laughs> and, and being someone who really likes hiking um, and camping uh, I, you know, seeing them like machete their way through, you know, the, the forest uh, the whole time. I'm like, ticks, 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 snakes. I'm just like, there's gotta be so many so things many things that are so not good and forget like jumping off of that, uh, rock into the, into the water. No way there. I would have been like, no, I'm climbing down. I don't care how long it takes me. Right. You don't um, know how deep that water was. And she just jumped in there. I was like, yeah. at least throw something first. I mean, I don't know. And I kept telling myself, like, they're in their early to mid 20s. Yeah. Your decision making or your thought process is different, but not necessarily. I don't know. I maybe I'm just a, a person. I, I mean, I'm definitely like an anxious kind of person who overthinks and worries about most things. So maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe other people would would do it. No, I think, I mean, I'm sure other people would, but, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of where you are right now. Like I, when I was younger, all I wanted to do was travel, but now I'm, I'm very settled. You know, I, I don't, I don't have that urge to go anywhere. I mean, I, I will, if, if I have the opportunity, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's because I'm, I'm 45 and this is what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, I'll, I want to talk about this later in the categories. I think like one of the things that I think is interesting about this film is just what, what is a, what is a valuable experience for somebody? Um, And I think particularly when 
I don't know if it's even when you're necessarily younger, but just maybe, but I I do want to say it's when you're younger, because I think sometimes having life experience helps you see things in a different light. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's very much the thought of like, you need to do all of these things or go to all these places. And the more you do that, the more you have more stories you have to tell, the more things you have to talk about. And that's what's important. That's what's going to give you a fulfilling life. But I I disagree with that. I think every person has a different sense of what's valuable and what's meaningful to them. And I'm oh, that's all I'm going to say about that right now, because it will come up again. In the okay. Categories. That's fair. Well, I mean, maybe loosely tied with that. I don't know if this is tied in with all with that at all. But in terms of like having more experiences, I think, because as you were, as you were saying that I was thinking, I feel like nowadays, it's it's more about the Instagram posts than it is about the actual experience. Yeah. Um. And and I do think that and I, maybe I mentioned, I know I mentioned this before, but I think one of the reasons why this beach and this community is a paradise is because that is because they can disconnect from that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Um. that they, they're not tied to that way of life. Not that none of that existed when this film came out, but um. I read, I remember years ago, I read something uh, about the, a, a review on the film or an analysis of the film and something that the writer had mentioned was that everything shifts with, after Francoise takes a picture with the disposable camera, because mm-hmm. up until that point, we haven't really seen any sort of quote unquote modern technology. Um, you know, they, the, the um the the shelter is something that they built themselves you know they don't they're not buying food from a grocery store they're they're you know you know catching fish on their own and you know everything everything that they have is in nature mm-hmm. um and then she and then uh richard goes to kopayang with sal he comes back with all of these goods that are from, you know, that are from the modern world. Um, and one of the things he brings back is a camera for Francoise and she takes that picture. And in the next scene, that's when we have the the two men that get attacked by the shark. Yep. The one that Richard, I don't know if it's the same shark that Richard punches <laughs> or. <laughs> I don't know. Cause he didn't, he slit that shark's throat or something. I, I don't I don't know. Um all oh, right, that's what that's what yeah, yeah. Um so uh you know and th- and that's when and that's when things start to go dark. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah. Although well here's and here's something that I notice. And again, this is this is probably my f- maybe fourth time seeing the film. Um, there's a lot of blood in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And I hadn't and I and I, I I noticed it when, uh, I think it's when the 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 first guy that dies that was attacked by the shark when they're dragging him from the beach, um, away from the shoreline, and there's she just leaves this like trail mm-hmm. of blood in the sand, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, there's actually a lot of blood in this film, and it starts when Richard drinks the snake's blood, mm-hmm. and that sort of I feel like sets his desire to try something new in motion, like to an extreme, because yeah. 
you know, he's happy to be in Thailand and like walk around and be an observer. And when he's first approached about the snake's blood, he's like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I think he kind of gets challenged and then he does it. And then he completely, he kind of changes, like his character changes a little bit. And now he's, Mm -hmm. it's almost like he's, he's thirsty for more of that. Um, and then when Daffy kills himself and Richard goes into the room, there's blood everywhere. Yeah. Um, so there's that, uh, when he, his, his, uh, confrontation with the shark, the, the one Swede who dies from the shark attack. Um, there's, I think there's another one that, uh, that I'm forgetting. Um, the, oh, and then and then when the that one girl gets shot by the farmers, mm-hmm. the one that sees Richard and then Richard hisses at her and the farmers shoot her. Yeah. Um, and her blood gets splattered on his face. Mm-hmm. And that's when he comes out of that trance. Like all of a sudden it's like a switch goes off and and he's and and he comes to his senses and realizes what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. And all of a sudden, like this, this um this very selfish part of him that I feel comes out so much while he's at the beach, suddenly it almost like it caves in and he realizes that this is not the way to be. And this is not the way to live Mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You mentioned before that at the time that this film happens there's no you know there's no social media there's no anything like that but you know the outside world is still kind of an enemy um but what i wanted to more talk about is technology um specifically because (laughs) the last scene makes me laugh so much so he's in this internet cafe and he is finally, you know, he's been gone for however long, which also I had a problem with because, okay, you just go away. Like, you know, I know you're on vacation, but were you just planning on your vacation being forever that like you could just drop everything and be gone? And I don't know how long they're there for, but it seems like it's a pretty long time. Yeah, that's a really good point. I don't, we don't really get any timestamps, do we? No. So anyway, he's whatever. He's gone for what seems like several months. Mm-hmm. Um, But I love that now he's in this internet cafe and he's logging on, first of all, to Excite, which <laughs> that's, not, <laughs> that's not a thing anymore. But his username, his like member name is just Richard because he's the only <laughs> only Richard and then before he you know he he's you the camera scans his email he sees the email from Francois but there's one from mom and dad that just uh-huh. says where are you yeah <laughs> I was like come on what is this yeah oh my gosh I think I think it would have been helpful if there had been 10 minutes at the very beginning of the movie just like setting up a little bit more about who Richard is and what he's coming from and maybe like why he's going on a trip and how he can be gone for so long. Cause I, I don't know. I just like, I know you have to just throw logic out the window sometimes when you're watching movies and just make a lot of assumptions. And and this was one where I think you were supposed to do that, 
but I I had a hard I had a hard time with it. No, I I get that. You know, and as you're saying that, I I realize now you're right. There there's so much about him that we don't know from before uh he starts traveling, really. All all we really know is that as as far as I understand, unless I've missed something, um is that he's young. He has the means to travel. Um, you know, I, I get the sense that he doesn't have a lot of money or else he'd probably be staying somewhere much nicer than, than he was. Um, but again, that brings me back to, you know, when I was younger and, and traveling, cause I, I would travel on my own and I would stay in hostels and they weren't the nicest places, but it's what I could afford. And yeah, it wasn't about where I stayed. I barely spent time there. You know, it was, yeah. it was you know, it's just more, where you slept. Yeah. yeah. It was where I slept essentially. Um, but I, you know, that's pretty much it. And that, and he's single. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and probably I would imagine he's lonely, even though he's choosing to be alone. I don't know, but yeah, but, but, but there is that is, is there more to him being there than just that desire to, to travel and, and try something new? I mean, Right. Is he running away? Is he running away from something that he is so, he's so excited to find this island and, you know, there's no, you know, there's a lot of things that happen that are not part of the film because you see passages of time, you see him having relationships with people and you don't see how they develop, but like, is there, there didn't seem to be any sort of hemming and hawing about gosh should I just stay here forever or or not like you have to think if he didn't if if he had never given the map to those other people and didn't have to suffer the consequences of what that action was yeah he might have never left there I mean I guess presumably something could have happened later down the road but it wasn't like he didn't I didn't get the impression that he was like, I'm just going to hang here for like a few months. Yeah. I feel like he was like ready to be like, all right, this is my new life. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. mom and dad. Yeah. Um, Some things are coming to mind just, just from what you're saying. One, I think that uh, maybe, maybe not knowing, maybe we don't need to know too much about him before of his life, before we see him in Thailand, because um First of all, one of the things that I think is done really well in this film is how overwhelming civilization feels, you know, compared to when they're at the beach. I mean, if you go back, there's there's so much noise and there's like quicker cuts and um it's it's fast it's fast paced and it and it's like the the every shot is just crammed with with uh um with scenery and uh a stimulus you know it's, yeah. it's it's a lot to take in and it feels really overwhelming and then once they get to the island you know we have much longer shots panoramics um it the you know the moby music <laughs> i think it's you know it's just a completely different feel um so it i can i think if anything without telling us the story i think maybe the director Danny Boyle is trying to get us to feel what Richard is feeling so that we understand why he's going to such lengths to get to the island. Um, the uh, Maybe the other thought that I had was that 
he we we can tell that he's within the first couple of minutes that he's not satisfied with the experience that he's having mm-hmm. in Thailand um until Daffy presents him with the the idea of this island and then after he kills himself ultimately a map to this island um and uh so i i guess you know in a way i think i think i think danny boyle is trying to tell us what we need to know but he yeah. what what he thinks maybe like this is you know for the purposes of this story this is all you need to know mm-hmm. um and i and like i said i i like i i do feel that the movie does tap into that that feeling that you get as someone who does enjoy traveling that that sense of adventure and um you know taking in a new place and how overwhelming that can be uh and you know and looking for looking for an escape it seems like that's what that's what he's always doing he's looking for an escape he escapes to thailand from what we don't know and then from there he needs to escape somewhere else and he finds the beach and then at some point he needs to escape the beach yeah but then why didn't he just like if he was overwhelmed by by life and civilization i mean unless he didn't feel that way until he got to thailand but like then why didn't you just take a vacation to a more relaxing place yeah because it's not as exotic i guess I guess. I'm sure you can find an exotic, relaxing place. <laughs> if only he had looked further on Excite, yes. he probably could have found a place to go. Right. <laughs> By the way, also in reference to the internet cafe, did you did you notice the the Macs that were there? Yes. Oh I my love gosh. those ones. <laughs> the, like jewel covered colored Macs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. So beautiful. Computers. I know. All right. Are we ready for categories? I would say we are. Okay. Well, this is the portion of our podcast episode where we compare answers on a number of different categories. And every time we score, just in case this is your first episode and you're not really sure what we're about to do, um, every time we score a multiple of 20 we then swap roles and I get to choose the movie. So that's why we we watched Donnie Darko recently. Um, Gina, we've been killing it lately. I know. Um, in both the last episode and the episode before that, we scored four points. So we are already at 87 points. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Yeah. Because our next multiple of 20 is 100 points. Do we do something special when we hit 100 points? Oh, man. I mean, we probably should, but I just don't know what that thing is. Okay. I I think we should think about it and then yeah. bring some ideas okay. to the we'll table. Do that. Okay. We'll do that. I am going first this time. Okay. Okay. All right. So our first category is favorite character. I had a very hard time with this category um, because I found most of the characters incredibly unlikable. Um, (laughs) I did not choose ATN, but now I kind of wish I had because Uh we just said a couple of really nice things about him. I ended up choosing, choosing, choosing. (laughs) I ended up choosing Katie Mm -hmm. 
Um, he's the one who just because it was sort of hard to keep track of everybody's name after they jump off the cliff into the water, he's the one that's standing on the shoreline clapping. And then he's also the one who, um, when Richard is having his moment of psychosis, Kitty shows up and is like, dude, what is going on? Like, are you okay? Um, so he, he seemed like the most genuine person i think in the in the in the uh i don't know what they what did they call themselves we'll just call themselves a, we'll call them a community yeah that's we'll what they call called that. themselves in the community i felt like he was the most like down to earth and i think i i felt like a lot of the people in the community were like just too into the community sort of the way that Richard is also mm-hmm. um and I think Kitty was there because he like wanted to live a simpler life but he wasn't trying to pretend it was something more than it was um so that is why I chose him can I can I say before before I tell you my answer which isn't Kitty but I love your answer and Thank and I, I'll, I'll add some things to that but did at any point this community make you think of the vow a little yeah right yeah i mean just like cults in general yeah it it definitely that's kind of why i got stuck just a couple minutes ago because i was gonna say cult and i was like but that's not what they they didn't obviously they didn't describe themselves that way it was a c word but what was it i just got (laughs) my 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 brain got stuck on cult (laughs) yeah no i love your answer and when you were talking about kitty and you mentioned um how he's the one that goes to Richard when, when he's, you know, losing his mind. I also remember the moment where we see Richard gazing at uh, Francoise and, and Kitty basically tells him like, dude, just that's not going to happen. You need to let it go, which I feel like was sound advice, even though that's not how things go. Um, And it's interesting because I wasn't really, I don't remember if I was rooting for Richard and Francoise to get together the first time I saw the movie. But this, when I watched it this time, I wasn't. No. Because I, because I really liked Etienne and that's why I chose Etienne as my mm-hmm. favorite character. I did love Kitty too. And I, and I almost picked him, but I think because I didn't know as much about him as I did Etienne, but, and I know we talked about Etienne earlier, but I, I really do believe that he is the most virtuous and least selfish yeah. of all the characters in the story. Um, he's the one that orchestrates all of the transportation so they can even get to the island. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one when, when he finds out about Richard and Francoise, he, he literally says like, he just wants her to be happy, you know? Um, although a part of me kind of wishes he would fight for her, but I, you know, but that's, I guess it's just not in his nature. And that was something, uh, you know, I guess another criticism of the film is that, they're really, you think there's going to be some sort of love triangle, but then now friends, you know, ATN is like, no, nah, just, I just want her to be happy. Yeah. You know, like he's, he's devastated, but, um, and then also when the, the one Swede who, not the one that dies, but the other one that was wounded from the shark attack that is removed from, from the shelter because no one wants to listen to him screaming. Yeah. ATN is the one that stays with him in the Mm -hmm. tent and takes care of him. So I, I felt like of all the characters in the film, he was the one that wasn't changed by the, 
by the beach. He wasn't, he wasn't um, hypnotized by it. I think yeah. in the way that other people were. I love that answer. So. I think there was just going back to the love triangle thing. I think they were trying to have one between Richard and Francoise and Sal, but it was like, not really one. If they were, it, 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 it didn't, it didn't come across that way because Sal wasn't really, you know, like she said, like having sex with him was just more of a thing to do. You know, she wasn't True. interested in him. And even when he, even when he asks her about it, when they're, when they're laying in bed together, she's, I mean, she's so matter of fact about it. We had I may, sex. I may uh, want to have a, have sex again before we have breakfast. Right. Okay. And then that's it. There's yeah, there's no, there's no emotional connection. Yeah. On her it's, end. it's more control than anything yes yes yeah. again the vow uh-huh. <laughs> um my least favorite character i almost chose sal mm-hmm. but honestly my least favorite character was richard because <laughs> i feel like he just for the you know the quote-unquote hero of the film he wasn't much of a hero in in my humble opinion. You know, he's not he's he's I didn't see him as a protagonist because I didn't see him trying to work against the conflict. I felt like he was working for the conflict. Um he shares a map with the I I call them the hippies because I don't know what else to call them. You know, the guys that he meets on that on that beach. Yep. Um he pursues Francoise even though she's with somebody clearly in a relationship with somebody else, you know. Um he's the one that brings them in and and you know gets them to buy into this this journey that he wants to embark on. He I don't know. He allows himself to be manipulated by Sal. He just, you know, the whole, that whole scene with um, the shark, you know, when he's telling the tale, I feel like his ego gets so inflated. Oh, totally. You know, which again, you know, kind of, you know, going back to what you were saying, maybe you're right. Maybe knowing a little bit about him before he travels. I'm, I, I wonder if maybe the, the role that he assumes in this community, because he, they do kind of see him as a hero, especially after that whole shark attack mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I think that it feels to me like this is a role that he has never had before. Yeah. He's no one's ever looked at him the way that these people have. And he, he just milks it for all that he can, you know, like when he's telling that story, the, the embellishment to the, to the point where I was like, is, I'm assuming this isn't really how it happened. Like, well, that's what I was going to say. I'm sure it didn't happen mm-hmm. that way. Like, like he got lucky and survived that. But then he's like, I was so calm and I just punched that shark bitch in the face. Like, come on. Yeah. Stop. And I, and I, and I, in my, in my head, when he's telling the story, I'm like, it probably wasn't even a really big shark. <laughs> It probably wasn't, it probably wasn't even a shark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, I just, I just didn't, I think because I didn't like his character as much as I thought I should have. I think that's why he ended up being my least favorite character. Mm -hmm. That was my answer. Um, well, I mean, Sal is the obvious answer. She's 
kind of the villain in the story. Um, but I also did not pick her. I also picked Richard. He was oh. so annoying and just, <laughs> I agree. Like he's the one I think you're supposed to be rooting for. And I just wanted him to go away. And the thing that made me like, clear that he was the character that I was going to choose was like not even the fact that it was Leonardo DiCaprio could save him he was awful yeah yeah but maybe that makes his character that much more interesting because he's so flawed you know but um but I just I yeah I, I I'm with you on that terrible but we have a point yay thank you Richard thank you Richard that's all that matters okay four best character arc i chose richard um (laughs) i mean we've talked about it he goes like his character arc is truly like a bell curve you know he kind of starts we and we don't as we've said we don't know a lot about him at the very beginning of the film but he seems to be just you know there traveling doesn't want to like get involved in anything and then the second he's challenged everything changes and then all of a sudden he wants to do all of these outrageous things he's trusting people he maybe shouldn't be trusting he's swimming across a gigantic body of water he's army crawling through a pot field with where there are guys patrolling with guns um then he truly goes through this like moment of insanity comes out of it and then you know all he wants to do is save his friends and he has like a really kind of heroic moment at the end there where to save the island and save the community Sal just has to kill him and you know he's at first like pleading for his life but then eventually he's like do it just do it and she ultimately tries but there's no bullet um and then he kind of seems to be going back to this life of he's he's alone again which is interesting mm-hmm. um but i think the end there where he opens the picture from Françoise and kind of realizes that that's that's actually what there is to take away from this experience is all he needs um and i thought also it the use of voiceover in the film and narration was an interesting choice and i think also helped kind of set up his um his story arc because he goes from saying certain things about how he wants all this adventure he wants to do these things he wants to do things that are different he wants to do big big things and then the end he's kind of like well you know, it's it's not so much about what you're doing than it is about what you're feeling. Oh, I like that. Thank I like you. that last thing you said. Um, I also chose Richard. Nice. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> for all the things that you said. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna repeat it. <laughs> Can you just say exactly what I said in different words, please? Sure. Um, yeah. All right. So I'm just going to move on to worst or least convincing performance. I don't, I don't think we'll get the same answer for this, but if we did, that would be amazeballs. My answer for worst or least convincing performance was the shark that Richard (laughs) punches 
because I didn't think the shark, even like, even in his embellishment of the story, I didn't think the shark was that scary. You're like, come on, shark. I know. I mean, and and I, but and but part of me is like, well, was that the point? Like, was was the choice made for us as viewers to see that the shark really wasn't that big a deal, even though he's making it out to be a big deal? So it's supposed to be funny, but then that seems to like take away from the whole tone of the film. I thought, but anyway, that was my answer. Interesting. Thank you. Um, I did not choose the shark, <laughs> but but now I kind of wish I had. <laughs> I chose Jerry Swindle, who played Sammy, who's one of the hippies. He's the one with the curly hair. Um, I just particularly the scene where Richard first meets them and they're sitting on their like he gets locked out of his little cabin and then they're sitting on the porch of their cabin and they're mm-hmm. all smoking weed and like Jimmy. Oh, no, no, Sammy. I, I combined Jerry and Sammy and I made his name Jimmy. Not Sammy. Okay. Sammy is like kind of asking him questions. And I just, I think maybe the actor is not a great actor. Um, Just like the delivery of his lines were kind of flat. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was, they were supposed to be like drunk and high. So I don't know if he thought that's how to, that was the best way to, act that state of mind but i i was like no (laughs) (laughs) it's not it's not working for me that's fair thank you you're welcome um on the other hand for best performance this might be a bit of a cop-out answer but i chose leonardo dicaprio okay um part of it is because he made like he could be just because you know him from other things and he's a talented actor and he seems like a fun celebrity and honestly like the first thing I ever saw him in was Growing Pains and he was Luke and Luke is so like I think that's why I have a soft spot in my heart for Leonardo DiCaprio because (laughs) just the character of Luke was like such a pure lovable wonderful young adult teenager i think luke was like 14 anyway um so the fact that he could play a role that i just despised him (laughs) um even in the moment where he finds clarity he saved essentially saves everybody's life and um has kind of a redemption arc he just still was so unlikable and i think leonardo dicaprio played it really well i i didn't pick him but i thought he was really really i agree i thought he was really fantastic in this film i mean he's he's i agree he's such a talented actor i think he could do anything um and that was something that i did like about the film that i did appreciate was his performance Mm -hmm. because i really think there you know he hit a range there and and i thought i thought he was very compelling um i actually chose though for best performance i chose robert carlisle as daffy ah. and and i think this might be you know coming off the heels of the full monty which we talked about a few episodes ago this the daffy is such a departure from from that other character and i i thought he i thought he played the i thought he, i wrote in my notes he plays crazy really well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 um my you lost me at we we've already talked about this what i i wrote in my notes was richard's delusional psychotic break Mm -hmm. um because partly because i i wasn't again like i 
think I know what what the purpose of that was because I wrote the video game imagery specifically, but also because I think the movie just goes into a completely different genre at that point. And and I and I don't really know what's happening. And it's not just because like what is happening with Richard, but also what is happening in this film? What kind of story is being told now? Because it feels like a completely different story than what than what we're told. Like, and, and again, it's not so much the story, but how it's being told and how and and visually what, what we're getting as an audience. Yeah. And that and lost that's, me. Did I I can't remember if I already said this. That's the part where Sean said he woke up in the theater and was like what is happening? Well, I don't, I don't know if you said that, but, but when you said that he woke up and was like, what is happening? I, I remember th- I was thinking to myself, it must've been the video game part. Maybe you yeah. did say that, but maybe but, I know. Yeah. I don't know why I can't remember. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I had a runner up, which we kind of already talked about, but I just wanted to highlight it again as a, you lost me at moment was just kind of <laughs> the whole concept of the, <laughs> the entire concept of the movie um, that it, again, and it's not even just Richard. It's Richard and Etienne and Francois like all go to this island to just see if it's there. And then they're both they're all like, you know what? Let's just live here and forget everything else that we have. Like that just rubbed me the wrong way. But ultimately, like my true you had me at moment if we're I mean, I'm sorry, you lost me at moment was um. if we're defining it the way that we kind of originally defined it which is when you just kind of lose like total interest in the film and just want it to kind of end um (laughs) was when Richard goes crazy so we have Mm -hmm. two we we have two points now oh okay yay oh you threw me off there Sonia I did I love doing the fake out I'll never not do it fake out yeah yeah okay okay um this is (laughs) this is quite sad um and i think speaks to my overall feelings on the movie oh no (laughs) i know sorry my you had me at moment though i actually missed it and i and i only realized this when i was doing some research for the movie is apparently there's a character in the movie named sonia the problem is she spells it with a j uh-huh. Um, but I was very excited about that because my name is never anywhere. And when it is somewhere, <laughs> it's never spelled correctly. <laughs> so your happy at was that there was a character named Sonia. Yeah. That you don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say your, your had me at was there was no, you had me at. <laughs> <laughs> it it almost was. And then I saw her name and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I I had a runner up, and then my you had me at. But the more I think about it, my you, my runner up is my you had me at. Is it that there is a character named Sonia? <laughs> yes. No. It's it's <laughs> but it's a Sonia answer. My you had me at is the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Okay. And probably because I bought this soundtrack after I saw the movie, and I listened to it over and over and over again, especially when I was living in France. So I know the music so well, and I think listening to the music again because I would listen to the soundtrack a lot especially when I was traveling brought back a lot of those feelings that I had when I would travel what's on the soundtrack besides that Moby song um there's a um oh my gosh I'm saying this I listen to it all the time (laughs) um uh Sugar Ray song on there um 
there's a song from Blur, Moby. Mm, I remember the Blur song in the in the yeah. film. Oh yeah, Sugar Ray, Spinning Away, um, Underworld. Okay, Faithless. I but I mean you know me like I'm I'm the kind of person where I don't I don't really pay attention to who's singing. I don't yeah, know no, who the I was I was is, just curious because but... I didn't I just like couldn't remember the so- like songs in the film. But yeah, now yeah, you said that. But I think the... the Blur song actually plays when he's like starting his army hallucination, possibly if, if I remember. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that was my you had me at. And yes. what was your runner up? Uh, my runner-up was the overall sense of adventure and travel. Oh. Yeah. That was my original You Had Me At. The soundtrack was my runner-up. But as I thought about it more in our conversation, I realized the soundtrack was really my You Had Me At. Fair. Yeah. Um, my favorite line, I realized I said it earlier in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think as, well, actually, as I was saying it earlier, I was like, wait, was this my favorite line? Shit. But it is. Okay. I just feel like everyone tries to do something different, but you always end up doing the same thing. And I, I think I chose this as my favorite line because I really feel like that's the center of gravity of the film. Again, like not entirely sure what the main purpose of the story is, the way it's told in the film and and the shifting of genres. But I do think at the core of it, this is something that we see played out over and over and over again, trying to do something different but always doing the same thing. Um, and, and I, and I think that helps me understand some of the choices that characters make, like why Francoise chooses Richard, because it's something different. Um, you know, why, why Richard drinks the snake blood, because it's something different, why they want to try to get to this beach because it's something different. Um, but in the end, they, they all ultimately leave, and go back to whatever lives they had before. I'm assuming. I mean, that's that's what we see Richard doing, like you said. The the last time, the last moment when we see him, it's at the internet cafe on a computer, mm-hmm. you know, checking his emails. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so things sort of come full circle for him, which I assume is true for everybody, especially Francoise. I mean, she had to send him that email and that picture somehow and get it developed and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. Um, that's so interesting because my, our answers are not the same, but I mm-hmm. also chose mine because I felt like it, it was the whole, it was like the sentiment of the entire film, but maybe mm-hmm. mine's more the moral of the story. Oh, um, okay. So I chose, and you know me, I always choose the last line in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I chose, I still believe in paradise, but now at least I know it's not someplace you now, like, why can't I read? I can't read. Okay. That's okay. Vice president. <laughs> oh, I still believe in paradise, but now at least I know it's not someplace you can look for because it's not where you go. It's how you feel for a moment in your life when you're a part of something. And if you find that moment, it lasts forever. Um, And I just, I just generally really, as much as I did not like this movie, I really <laughs> love that line. Um. And it's something that I I think about a lot in my own life. And I kind of was touching on this before is like, I'm not a person who likes to travel or when I do travel, it's not necessarily about like where I've gone and what I've seen. It's more about like, how do I feel in the moment? Like I would rather, I would rather 
fly across the country to visit a friend and we don't see a single thing that is like a landmark or something. But if we just like go out to dinner and have a really nice time and conversation, like that's more important to me than anything else. And that's, and that again, that's me. Like, you know, I think a lot of people would prefer to see the things and do the things and say they've been to wherever, um, because that's really very awesome to do as well. Um, but I am just not like that. So I appreciated that this, this line in the film described a lot of how I am. I, I really love that. And I, that might speak to how my desire to travel has waned over the decades because decades <laughs> it's all right <laughs> and that's fine because it's true because it's not I'm not I don't need to travel across the ocean to find joy you know I I do agree that I I think it's the I, I like that idea that it's it's the moments that where you feel happy um and it, and it doesn't have to be because you're doing something so extravagant it could it can be those those smaller simpler moments where you're just spending time with people you care about um you know or I, yeah i mean i i i love that idea and you're right maybe maybe that is one of the ideas that the movie is trying to present to us is that you know look at the lengths that Richard went to, to try to find adventure and joy and happiness and, and community and look how it turned out. Um, And I'd like to think that in that last moment where he's looking at that picture from Francoise, it's, you know, he has that memory, but maybe it's also that Francoise reached out and connected, you know, by sending him that, Uh, you know? Yeah. And like, I think, for Richard in particular, like, you know, I think he was expecting to, f- the way that the picture made him feel and remembering his time and experience with those people, I think is what he was expecting, like the experience of adventure and doing these dangerous things. I think that's what he was expecting that would make him feel, but it didn't. It was about the smaller thing. And you know, again, I think that that's what's important. And for every person, it's different, you know, for some people, like, I don't know why this is the first thing I thought of, but like, seeing Mount Rushmore might give you this amazing feeling that you just think back to. And that is, you know, you, you've been wanting to see it for your whole life, and you remember seeing it, and it brings back that feeling. And I think that's, that's the point. It's about it's about the feeling that an experience gives you and not necessarily like what the actual experience is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. All right. All right. So we scored two points, which I will hey, take. Um, I'll take. It It brings us very closely to 90. We're at 89. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Okay. That's where we are. That's the beach. That's the beach. Before I tell you what our next film is, do you have any final thoughts, final comments? I just hope I never watch this movie again. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. 
I, I, I really wanted to revisit it because I, I was hoping to make some sense out of it. Um, I'm glad I saw it again, but it's not a film that I need to see again. It was, this was a really interesting discussion. I'm glad we, I'm glad we did this. Yeah. Okay. Even Even though it did not make me feel as though um, it is a moment that I want to last forever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to say goodbye to the beach and we're going to move on to our next movie. Um, And I'm, I'm not going to, you know, drag this out, Sonia. I'm just going to tell you. All right. But our next film is Sonia. The next movie that we are going to be watching is Jacob. Tell me roll, please. Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, yeah, you're excited. Sonia, what's it about? Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are, um, I think I know some things. I think, okay, uh, there's You've Got Mail and then there's Sleepless, Sleepless in Seattle. And I think they're kind of the same movie and they have the same people in it. Um, but Sleepless in Seattle is not the one where they're like email pen pals. I think someone works in a, or owns a bookstore. Uh, I don't know, but something, okay. The title Sleepless in Seattle makes me think that someone writes into like an advice column and that's how they sign off on it. Like, oh, I'm sleepless in Seattle. And then maybe the other person is the advice column giver or reads it uh okay (laughs) if if i'm wrong i'm gonna write this movie because it sounds kind of awesome (laughs) oh dear is that the end of your plot summary i think that's the end of this podcast (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm not even gonna tell you if you're right or wrong i'm just gonna (laughs) let you wait and watch it but I um I know I usually make like my calendar, but in 2023, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to make a calendar. I'm just going to like go with my gut and I'm you just going to pick movies, a, a movie that I want to see that I think you might want to see. Yeah. I'm into but, it. All right. That's, that's what we're going to do. For your gut. Yes. 2023. Gina's gut. <laughs> that's the theme. Oh my and, God. And that's the end of our episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at NNSIPod. And if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends. They can find us wherever they listen to their podcasts. Like and subscribe and all the things. And join us next time with your cocktail at the ready when we talk about Sleepless in Seattle. We'll see you then because we've got lots more to watch. And I've clearly seen nothing. <laughs> so please keep listening. And we'll keep watching. Bye. Bye.